Um, how cold is this cold open gonna be? Like, temperature wise, is it your kind of cold, or it's like you think it's cold, but it's really just seventy one degrees, or is it like my kind of cold, where it's actually thirty two degrees? Like, point of freezing, cold open. I mean. Like a nice 55, I would say. Like a, a, nice, a sensible 55. A sensible 55. Okay. Um, I think that's, that, that's a proper temperature for a cold open yeah. for a Degrassi podcast. I agree. Hello, hello, and welcome to the podcast where we go absolutely cuckoo bananas over our favorite characters from Degrassi The Next Generation. I'm Keely Bell, and you can join me every week with a special guest to talk about how these characters did whatever it takes and how exactly they made it through. We recorded this on, what was it? Was it Memorial Day? This was Memorial Day, which was a long time ago. A long, long time ago. It is <laughs> September 26th. We recorded that on Memorial Day, which was in May. So um, <laughs> We were freshly 25. Yes. Now we're now, seasoned 25. Now we're weathered. Um, we're weary. Yeah. So <laughs> we recorded this episode, and it was not viable because I didn't know how to record things. So um, now we're giving it a good old college try a second time. Since then, our frontal lobes have hardened. Mm -hmm. Um, We've learned how to do many things, technologically speaking, like record podcasts, scrub hard drives, um, make contact with the beyond. Yep, yep. And also, we did an incredible Degrassi rewatch. Yes. It was a so, summer of rewatching. Well, let's explain what this is <laughs> entirely. So, um, this is the Cuckoo Bananas podcast. That is a working title. If I think of something better, I will do that instead. But for now, this is the Cuckoo Bananas podcast, um, named after my favorite girl's awesome catchphrase of seasons six and seven, or just seven, one of those. Um, yeah, so Manny it's named said, after it's named after uh, a catchphrase that's introduced in the middle of a series in the middle of a series and only lasted that little short amount of time. It never came back. It's an incredible idea. it's a it's a lovely niche that true Degrassi fans can um can really pull out when we when we really want to. This is the Cuckoo Bananas podcast. And it's cuckoo bananas because we're not like other podcasts. We're not a rewatch podcast. We're not an episode recap plot outline podcast. We are a character study podcast. We think we do less work, (laughs) but really we do more work for less payoff. Yes, exactly. So what we're going to be doing throughout the episodes of this series are... um, taking individual main characters from Degrassi The Next Generation and later on Degrassi Next Class and studying their character arcs. Seeing where they began from their first time on the show, their first episode, all the way to their end. And luckily Degrassi is over now, RIP. So we can do this in full for every single main character. And we'll even do like little episodes for less main characters. (laughs) We're looking at you, DJ Chris. <laughs> We're looking at you, Chris Sharp, my favorite boy, which I cannot wait to do a Black Hole episode because that will be so much fun. Um, but we're starting it out with the girl that started it all. Oh, which, by the way, it won't be 
in any particular order. It's going to be random because if we did Emma, Manny, Craig, Spinner, like in order, that's boring. So we're going to we're going to start it out regular, but you never know who you're going to get next week. This is code for if you are going to wait on the edge of your seats for the Paige Michael Chuck episode, keep waiting, keep waiting. Um, And by the way, bold of us, I think it's correct to start a podcast named after Manny Sanders's catchphrase by beginning (laughs) with the girl that upstages her all the time. Oh, 100%. I think that's the gag. That's uh, that's the comedy of it all. That's the brand. And that's that's the brand. Um, Yeah, I'm going to make y'all wait for a Manny episode because I have (laughs) so much to say because I love Manny Santos. She informed my entire personality. Oh, by the way, I'm Keely. (laughs) We have not introduced ourselves. I am Keely. Uh, I am 25. Um, I Oh, yeah, that was going to be the next thing is how did we get into Degrassi? Um, I am Keely. I'm 25. And I got into Degrassi when I was in high school and um, freshly moved into my parents' first house ever. And they were playing at every Degrassi ever, ever uh, marathon. And I watched all of it pretty much in full. And I fell deeply, deeply in love with all of these stupid, stupid teens. (laughs) What about you, Daniel? Um, I'm Daniel Herman. And I got into Degrassi the way that any respectable homosexual teen got into Degrassi. By typing in gays kissing into (laughs) the YouTube search bar. And we got all of our mainstay classics. We got... Marco Del Rossi, Mackin on Dylan Michael Chuck. We got the Riley blueprint. Stavros closetedly kissing in the woods. <laughs> those woods. Oh, those woods. Those, those woods gay... deserve an episode all their own. That's the episode where I lead the podcast and you <laughs> sit back as I discuss the gayness of those woods. And, the but, woods are gay. The woods, homosexual woods. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I, I, I saw all of these scenes, like, what is this show? And then I started watching and my life began and ended (laughs) at the same time. So yeah, that's who we are. Um, and we're going to be delving into who these characters are. Um, just, just to see like, if these writers of this series had any game plan, because there are some characters on this show that I'm, I think we can both agree that uh, they ended up way, 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 like way off the charts from where they began. We're looking at you, Zoe Rivas. We're looking <laughs> we at you. you. <laughs> we are looking at you. Um, but other than that, we're going to start with the girl who started it all. The girl who started not even on this series, but in the womb of one Miss Christine Spike Nelson <laughs> in the original series. And that is, of course, Emma Nelson. Emma Nelson Mason, if you're going <laughs> to jump to the end. You're already baiting um, any potential listeners we have by bringing up your favorite plot twist that everyone else oh, despises. God, I love it. It's the it's the, the most stupid thing that's ever happened, and yet I'm obsessed with it. But we'll get there when we get there. Emma Nelson, come on down. We're about to we're about to uh, analyze you. Okay, yes, that too. <laughs> we're about to analyze Emma Nelson and then read her to film. Yes. So I'm gonna pull up my notes a little bit. She's an academic. Yes. Um, so we've introduced this character. So this is Emma Nelson. 
we know her as Spike's teen pregnancy baby that she has in, I believe it's either Degrassi High or Degrassi. It should be Degrassi Junior High because I think Spike was only like 14 when she birthed Emma. So um, that is where Emma began her conception. And then she opens up the series as kind of our ingenue. Now, we've discussed potentially having episodes where we pit the different archetypes against each other. And though... A battle royale. (laughs) A battle royale of archetypes. And while I definitely think Emma versus Claire versus Maya is such a fun thing to, to, to consider in your head, Emma is the blueprint. Like, she can't... like she started it all she was the basic white girl before it became a thing on this show she invented having braces and pigtails at the same time oh she really did it she invented dolphin pants oh oh the dolphin pants iconic she invented birkenstocks i think the first ever like pair of birkenstocks i ever saw were the pair that emma's holding in her hand when she's walking barefoot down the hallway stomping into whatever classroom it is on the day of Spike and Snake's wedding <laughs> with her perm. With that fucking perm. <laughs> God, like, Emma, like, say what you want about Emma. Those early seasons, relatable content. Like, she's very much, she's hard to look at, but not because you, you don't see yourself. It's because you do. Because you see, see way too much of yourself, which is definitely why they cast, um, uh, Miriam, Miriam McDonald. McDonald. There you go. Miriam McDonald in the role because um, she at the time looked like such a, like such an every girl and not in the every girl, like Hollywood way. Yeah. She's in, not glossy. Exactly. She has braces. She has an aggressive gum line. Mm-hmm. She has um, blonde hair, but that doesn't protect you from the grease oh, no. that happens when you're 12 years old. No, no, no. And all this to say, she was also really adorable. Oh, yes. Like, an first, adorable girl. That first season, just, Emma is so cute. Like, the the very first episode, when she's, like, giggling over Jordan's email, it get, it just touches me right in the heart every time when she's, like, giggling and, like, <laughs> um, very Jordan's cool. emails were trying to touch her somewhere else. Oh, yes. But- so our first order of business is going to be summing up our character, their whole entire arc throughout however many seasons they were on this show, in three sentences. Do you think you can do it? Um, I think I can give a good old-fashioned college try mm-hmm. and um, see what we come up with. Okay. Would you like to go first or me? This is your pod. I okay. think dealer's choice. Okay. I haven't thought about it um, since we recorded last. So I'm going to say... Three sentences. Emma Nelson is a girl. Period. (laughs) No. Emma Nelson is a girl who is very... That's a qualifier. Um, Emma Nelson is a girl who has strong passions. Period. Those passions get her into lots of trouble, but she maintains her integrity and her morals, period. That's two sentences. And then in the end, she goes on her own path and does not let the outside world dictate her just as she always has, period. 
I love that. Thank you. All right, let me um, wrestle up a couple sentence structures here. <laughs> Emma Nelson is a youth, though defined by her origins, does not um, shy away from life's adversities, mm. period. Okay. She is a driving force when it comes to social issues, friendships, and overall adversity in the world. I use adversity in both the sentences. It's fine. Um, it's a defining no grading you. I'm grading myself. <laughs> Through her trials and tribulations, she discovers that perfection is not the goal, but rather happiness. Ooh. Period. Love that. Love that for her. Love that for you. So we should delve into like what she, what she did from her first day here. And so we're going to be outlining her uh, journey on the show by each presenting um, three different plot points and or episodes that stood out to us yeah. about her as a character and her arc. So we can start with what I'm sure we're both thinking, which is the very first episode of the series, Mother and Child Reunion, where Emma um, gets uh, catfished by an adult man and tricked into meeting him at a hotel where he would uh, then try to take advantage of her. Now... It's never just pizza, guys. It's never just pizza. It's never a really cute, ethnically ambiguous boy hugging a tree. It never is. I'm sorry. Uh, and they, they, they got us because they, they cast a photo model that looked so believable. So cute. Like, he wasn't some, like... Photoshopped, like no, like stock photo. That's, right. that's what we're calling a stock photo of like a hot teen boy. This was a boy who was cute, but also twelve. But also, he was, I think, allegedly because if Emma was twelve, and I think Jordan was supposed to be like fourteen or fifteen. Yeah, but he had like he had the spiky hair, didn't mm -hmm. he? He had with, spiky hair with like a fun collared shirt. A moment. fun collared shirt, but he definitely had gay face, which I think was the, the gag of it all. Was that Jordan? She was like, "Isn't he so dreamy, Manny?" And you look at him, and he looks like Marco in a different life. <laughs> Listen, Marco's soulmate's out there. He's out there. It is Jordan. It's Jordan. It's the picture of Jordan. <laughs> it's Neve Shulman going, Jordan. I'm Neve from Catfish. We have discovered someone's been using your pictures to bait young girls online. <laughs> And that's the next Degrassi series. It's oh not God. the one we were looking for. It's not it's the next Next Generation. It's <laughs> Neve Shulman coming up to Jordan's door and presenting Catfish to him, joined by who? Who else catfished? Well, I guess no one. Real, no one else really catfished. I was gonna say Adams for Darcy, but she never saw pictures of him. No, she didn't. Yeah, and neither did um, Connor. Didn't see Love Queen sixteen either. No. Yeah, so Emma's the only one who got this plot. Yeah, I she, think right. She got. Um, well, I mean, like Connor was catfished emotionally. Yes, and Love Queen sixteen was really out here thinking like she was gonna get a fourteen year old, fifteen year old boy. Yeah. Ooh, creep. Um. Anyway, speaking of creeps, Emma has been lured 
into Jordan's clutches, which for her character, for to start her character on this story, very wise. I wish it was ever brought up again. Because <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 I do a lot with this show, like I do with a lot of shows, which is I use character trauma to inform characters' actions later in the future. Later in the future. That's a, that's redundant, but you know what I mean. Like I use character like trauma to inform character actions in the future that is not ever explicitly stated. <laughs> so it's like reading between the lines of a show of a show that we're pretty sure is forgetting what it did before. But it's it's a nice way to like try and tie pieces together, which is why we're doing this podcast, to try and tie those pieces together that the series decided not to tie for us. So Emma starts out this series being manipulated and put in a dangerous situation sexually, which is a trauma for any 12-year-old girl, for anybody in general. And I'm certain that informs her later decisions. <laughs> and it would be nice if they ever brought it up at half as much as they brought up that one episode, Eating Disorder. <laughs> I, I think it was very... Um, it's one of those things where sexual trauma was a thing that Degrassi like was known for exploring mm-hmm. um, in their um, fl- flagship series. Mm-hmm. And then when Next Generation came up, they wanted to do it in a modernized way, but they didn't want to stick on it because right. then you'd have essentially a stand-in protagonist who is traumatized for the first season. True, true. And that's not fun to watch never and and that that, that, that's that's the uh, that's the real the real issue starting a series with a big topic is well now i have nowhere to go if we mention it again suddenly this is the show where it's just about emma nelson's sexual trauma (laughs) yeah that's true because like maybe that's why they said it in the summer so that she had like maybe two months to kind of get over it get over it (laughs) because as we all know that's how life works. Yeah, two months. Two months. But you have some interesting theories about how that trauma... Our neighbors are uh, banging into the walls. Anyway. You have some very interesting theories about how this first episode kind of ties in her decision-making... For the rest of her life. For the rest of her life. For the rest of her fucking life, yes. Because the next um, big topic that I wanted to bring up was the shooting... Now, we are now jumping four seasons. Uh, We started out with season one, episode one, and now we're like, I believe the shooting is toward the middle of season four. Mm -hmm. And so this is another big trauma that combined with the first trauma, I think kind of spearheads Emma's um, one need for like control over her life to her um, sexual, like, what is the word? Uh, I won't say deviancy, but like, her, her um, need to use her sexuality as um, both a tool to get what she wants as well as a weapon to hurt people yes. who um, call her out when um, she's behaving strangely. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Like, so in season four, obviously we all know the infamous shooting episode. It's the episode Jimmy gets shot. But what a lot of people don't, like, rem- they remember it, but they don't, like, highlight it out of the episode is... Rick then turning the gun on Emma after she turned him down um, because he was putting the moves on her. 
And he turned the gun on Emma and Sean dove in front of the gun and then wrestled, tried to wrestle out of Rick's hands. Eventually shot him. Remember when Sean Cameron killed a guy? <laughs> I sure do. I surely do. <laughs> that was the gag throughout our entire rewatch. We did a whole rewatch this summer of the entire series, season one, episode one, all the way to next class. And just remember when Sean Cameron killed a guy? <laughs> like It was the best. It was, it was the best moment. <laughs> Because look at Daniel Clark. Oh, so hot. Look at that hot murderer. That hot, hot murderer. <laughs> we're, we're, we will get to Emma's ships and things for legal For legal reasons, we know Daniel Clark is not a murderer. It's just Sean Cameron. This is not a Sean Cameron podcast. This is an Emily Nelson podcast. <laughs> Emma. Emmeline. Emmeline. Emmelina. Who called her Emmeline? Uh, oh my God, I know this. It was um Chester. Um, who is what? played by Justin Nozuka's brother? Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Justin Nozuka is my favorite singer. Justin Nozuka made a cameo on this show. Not a cameo, because he wasn't famous at the time, but he played Chester's brother in that episode where um, the girls have a sleepover at Emma's, Emma's house and Chester's her neighbor. Um, but that's 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 a discussion for the for the black hole episode. Um, so right, we're at the shooting, and so even after the shooting comes the also infamous gonorrhea episode where Emma has now turned to her sexuality to what my theory is gain control over her spiraling life. You can't just bounce back from having a gun pointed at you. And then that combined with being put in an extremely dangerous, potentially um, rapey situation when you were 12 those two items combined must have messed up her mind. We never see Emma in therapy, which is also like, I will, I will rag on her eating disorder plot for as long as I live because it's like, we, so we talk so much about the eating disorder after it happens. She goes to therapy. She, she, she took up knitting to quell her mind when we never get anything like that about the almost sexual assault, the almost shooting, watching her ex-boyfriend kill a guy. Uh, <laughs> which happened right after the almost shooting. Right. Which happened concurrently, concurrently. With, the, with the almost shooting. So um, I just wish that those two traumas got more recognition in Emma's entire um, story arc. But yes, she. so the gonorrhea happens. Which is a fun episode. We we watched it together, and we both love Emma. What was the other time? Well, we were. What I was going to say is, we both love um, when Emma goes home after having seen Jay at the ravine, and she goes to her room, and Miss Christine Spike Nelson and Archibald Rupert Snake Simpson come into her basement room. And they're like, Emma, where where the fuck were you? It's 2 a.m. And she's like, I was just going for a walk because I'm having nightmares about the shooting. And then they're like, oh, sweetie, oh. go to bed. It's fine. And then they walk out of her room and she has the most shit-eating grin. She leans back under oh. her bed and she just, it's, it's, it's Eartha Kitt as Catwoman. It's Michelle Pfeiffer also as Catwoman. Oh, iconic. It's just a, it's a sultry gaze and it's a, oh, I did it. Oh, iconic. It, what, what was the other time she did that? She did it twice. Because it was that and it was, 
It must. I think it might have been during the eating disorder episode. Probably when because she was it was it. it was the when she when they were like Emma, are you okay? And she's like, oh yeah, just I don't know, going to the bathroom or something. And they walk out of the room, and she's like, I'm vomiting. She's flushing a sandwich down the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when she hid cold fries in her pocket? Oh, absolutely gross. Oh, <laughs> uh. um. So yeah, the. What my theory here is, is that um, Emma is taking her trauma and, you know, obviously acting out sexually and trying to reclaim that part of her life that had been like, I don't know, taken from her, I guess, um, in those early years. And just that whole like being put in danger at such a young age twice um, cannot be easy cannot be something that you just bounce back from and it's so and I would love to to view Emma in a different light you know like I would love to view her in a light where we get to actually see those traumas manifest in her rather than just see her as like you know like boring blonde white protagonist well I've chosen three moments that I think frame her as not the best and most compelling character, but someone that I understand why they would start off a series framed around her, mm-hmm. rather uh, other than the fact that she was the child of the teen pregnancy, the famous teen pregnancy from the flagship series, right. which is like um, the first Emma episode that I really um, remember were the sque- was the squeegee kid episode. Oh, iconic! With the iconic line, they're not. They're not bad. They're poor. They're poor. They're poor. Yeah. Where Emma has a very strong sense of morality. Mm-hmm. She's almost never completely right. Oh, never. But she's, her heart's in the right spot, but she's got such um, a very black and white view of the world when really there's multi-level problems where, yeah. like, she speaks against the... Um, teen news um station that mm-hmm. funds a lot of uh, their computers uh, of their computer programs mm-hmm. that her poor boyfriend her poor, her poor boyfriend. boyfriend um needs in order to complete his class assignments yeah. because he doesn't have a home computer it's just so complex it was so and it's it, and it's not that she was wrong to um be against people um shitting on homeless kids <laughs> she was correct that's wrong but also they need that sponsorship money mm-hmm. so it turns out public school systems are complex and heartbreakingly broken yes and she learns a lesson but she um goes down this path of activism which really defines sort of why we want to root for her because at the yeah. end of the day all these other characters are trying to survive high school emma is really actively trying to change her environment around her and make things better yes definitely and her success rate piss poor Mm -hmm. but she sure does um she sure does try yeah and like that's one thing i do love about emma is her um it's it's both the like gung-ho need to say to change and save the world and also her need to be right and her need to be the most the most woke person in a room at all times. It's a very white woman mentality that they capture so well. Mm-hmm. And 
I think a lot of that is like some of it's purposeful and some of it is you can tell they wrote it like, oh yeah, she's the hero in this scenario. And looking right. back on it, it's like, yikes. Oh man. Um, like the fu- <laughs> it's like telling. The episode, uh, the GMO Foods episode, where she was like, but you don't know if your tomato has scorpion, what that's going to do to you in the future. And then it's like, well, Emma, who cares? <laughs> Well, it's, it's like GMOs, like, um, you won a Nobel Peace Prize for making short wheat that didn't fall over and yeah. you save a whole bunch of people in India. That's a GMO. Exactly. Like, like it's a it's a large label of things, but this is not, this is not a GMO podcast. <laughs> I'm not working for big GMO. But <laughs> it's, we're bringing on to sort of the next point. I think um, another reason we root for Emma is she's willing to go the distance to get what she wants. We're talking, of course, about the Purple Dragon episode. Oh, iconic. Where she fully flashes the entire Degrassi student body, as well as her own stepfather. (laughs) Which ties into my thing with her crazy, like, acting out. Like, Emma at this point in the series... This is season seven. Yeah, Purple Dragon season seven. And it's right. Is it? Is this? This is after Sean goes to the military. Yes. So she's a fresh non-virgin. She's freshly de-virginized yeah. at she, this point. She's freshly. Um, her cherry's been popped. She's, <laughs> she's popped. had a pregnancy scare. She's um. She's been gonorrhea of the throat. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and she she's ready. She's um. She's already weaponized her body to mm-hmm. do several other things as mm-hmm. far as, like, when we say weaponized, we're just, like, she's she's used it to... Um, to get back at people, because that was the intent and, behind the gonorrhea um, thing, or her going to the ravine with Jay was to get back at Amy. Yeah, her, her agency over her own body really is tied to her feelings about other people. Yes. Which is... An issue? Yeah, Emma's ownership of her body it might be the, like, umbrella issue here. Because that encapsulates her sexuality. That encapsulates her eating disorder. It encapsulates just a lot of the things that she ends up going through is taking ownership of herself and um, how she how she can affect herself and how she can affect the world around her. Absolutely 100% agreed. And I, w- I did not just hold back the biggest burp of my life. <laughs> That's not what happened. I was I was struck and moved oh, by you. your summation of this character. And I, the last episode point that I really, um, really just want to touch on is, listen, Blaze was a moment that happened. Oh, we Blaze stand. happened. We stand Blaze. We stand brunette Emma. We A brunette Emma Nelson hits differently. And mm-hmm. here's why. Because when we have someone whose protagonist graduate high school and go to college and we see the the realization cross her that like, oh my God, I actually don't have a personality. Yeah. This is a problem. Mm-hmm. And so what am I going to do? We're going to date the local drug dealer in our dorm. <laughs> We're going to steal that personality, turn it up to 11, and what poison a diabetic girl at a party <laughs> with hot brownies. But the gag is that it wasn't the pot, it was the brownies. That was the twist. That was the twist, Mom. The she twist was... wasn't the pot. The twist was the brownies. And I forget every time. 
like I was, I'm always like oh yeah like uh, what was her name was she she was what was her name it was like I want to say Shelby but no, that's not Shelby I want and I don't know why or I want to say Tinsley because that's the other nameless blonde girl later in the series one of the other host plants yes a host plant. <laughs> so our recording shut off on us for a second there but we're back and we're back after some technical difficulties I'm sure that our lovely editor who is also me just Keely um <laughs> will throw in some fun um music yes to, of course just a jazzy interlude like a nice like if we fade it out that last bit and then fade back in and be like oh a word from our sponsors that don't exist dun, 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 dun. oh that was wow my uh, my cellular phone. Thank you. Um, <laughs> this is live television, people. Not television. Live theater. Not theater. Radio. Live radio. Not live. <laughs> <laughs> also, not radio. Not radio. This is pretty. This is. This is. Us. The Mandy NBC. Moore. <laughs> We've taken a little break and now we're so comfortable on this mic. But what we were talking about was Emma's Blaze arc. Yes. Or like her plot. And what I appreciated about it was we have this established ingenue um, who had all these goals, all of this drive, all this ambition to just become someone and then discover, oh crap, um, as it turns out, I'm not the person, I'm not the main event, are you yes. ready? We are actually just a blonde girl in a dorm. Yep. Who is not like, our, our smartest friend who is making connections at a sorority, she's mm -hmm. not like her most talented friend who's gonna go and... Be a movie star. Uh, but first, date an abusive um, professor. That came out of nowhere. Came out of nowhere. But she has to find her own thing. And her discovery that hey maybe um taking on my per the personality of my boyfriend mm -hmm. is not the best move yeah and it's interesting that this is the first time we see this of her um but not the last i would say like we can maybe shift this into ships um after you finish your your thing but i would actually say that like this was the the beginning of her doing that same thing with spinner but um make your point well yeah it's really um she she goes through the whole kelly saga and this sort of begins her descent into um what i feel a lot of overachieving kids go through mm -hmm. which is the burnout of okay you're yeah. no longer the big fish in the small pond now you have to find yourself in the world definitely and some people aren't about ladder climbing in the same way as other people yeah or like I know when if you're the smart kid or like the, the the activist kid and suddenly you go to this big campus and you realize those were really just outlets for my rage mm -hmm. rather than my actual interests. What do I? Who am I? Yeah. Did we even know Emma's major? No, she never decided. She didn't never she? decided. Yeah, because that was another. And we'll make this point. Well, we're gonna talk about this when we pit all of the archetypes against each other. Um, the weird like obsession this show has with never giving an ingenue what she wants like in her like based in her future in her career in her schooling because emma claire and maya all have the same thing in common which is their school stuff gets derailed and they kind of end the series like 
well, gotta find something else. And what I do respect about Emma's plot line here is that, no, they make her go to college. They make her do that. And mm-hmm. we see her struggle through. Yeah. Because that's not a narrative anyone wants um, to show. Mm-hmm. Because we all want to say that college is sort of the end of the end of the um the series right um she won she's off at college and then we skip forward 10 years to she's happily married she has her future no exactly what i found interesting relatable and um just so dissectable Mm -hmm. was emma nelson's not doing well in college yeah like i would i would almost have expected it more um from Manny or Paige oh, 100% or Manny. some of the other people who were like, you know, a little more insecure, a mm-hmm. little more, you know, lashing out. But- or a little more like the kids who were like Paige, for example, um, we, we will discuss this in her episode, but she did have the college issue. She did drop out. Yeah. And um, I would say that it's because she was one of those people that her whole high school experience was kind of based in the fact that she was popular and like socially um uh, the, the 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 big person socially, yeah. whereas Emma really had her uh, her shit down academically, had her shit down um, extracurriculars. She was hitting every single mark. Yeah, and it was someone with this driving ambition, a, mm-hmm. a, the a character who really um, is the driving force of all of her plots. Yes, takes such a side turn into. I don't really have a personality. She's yes. kind of like she's kind of lost her way. Mm -hmm. And then by the end of this series, when we see her burn down the dot, when we see her- (laughs) My favorite. When when we see her um, not really sure of where she's going, kind of ride off on a bicycle in the sunset. Yeah, that was, I don't know why that image is of Emma riding off on a bicycle just sticks in my head, but it's such a lovely image. Yeah, it's, it's showing that, hey, so this, um prescribed ending mm-hmm. of going off to college with your friends and you know living the dream isn't mm-hmm. always it's not the end and yeah. also it's not going to be perfect all the time yeah and sometimes a gap year is a godsend sometimes yeah. um failing is the only way you're going to end up where you need to be yeah and that and sometimes you know following other people's paths that have been set out for you mm-hmm. isn't the answer because even though Emma definitely drove most of her plots the influence of I have to be a good uh, I have to be a good student I have to um, earn my way into rooms where other people just get to exist because right. of how she grew up of what her parents sort of taught her how to be right Emma making her first real decision, outside of the prescribed plan is Mm -hmm. getting on a bicycle and just going off. Yeah. And I love that for her. I think that's a lovely ending. And I, um, I'm completely transparent here. We just listened back to the not viable episode from what we did on Memorial day. And I had mentioned how, um, I find Emma so much more interesting than other main characters that people are like, why are the supporting characters so much better? Um, like the Tori Vegas, the Bella Swans, like all of those kinds of Mary Sue type characters that people hate for, you know, for reasons, like good reasons, but like ultimately just for reasons that they're boring. I think Emma's not boring. I think Emma has so much going for her in the sense of her, like 
her ambition, her drive, her, and like also lots of fun, weird stuff too. Yeah. Emma's certainly a character that you can trust will make choices. The choices are never based in good decision making, but at least she's making decisions. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the choices are in fact based in who she is around and how, and like basically she tries to control everybody in her life because this is coming from somebody who relates a little bit to this of the growing up feeling like you and like Emma's an only child and, uh, you know, until Jack came along later in her teen years. But um, when she grew up with being just Spike's daughter, like that whole thing with Spike and Snake getting together and Emma hating the world because suddenly she wasn't the most important person in her mother's life anymore. That is relatable content. That is something that people will dog Emma for, for being so like self-absorbed, for being so whiny, that those are two things that I hear all the time about Emma. But I think those are real. And I think those are things that people, when when we're adults and we have kids, are going to see in our own kids. And we're going to be like, oh, crap. I birthed an Emma. <laughs> I birthed an Emma. <laughs> My novel, I birthed an Emma. <laughs> She birthed an Emma in her own kitchen. <laughs> oh, <laughs> she birthed an Emma in her living room, giving her um, on the floor on the floor after a summer's worth of drills. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about Spike's pregnancy drills. Spike fucking sucks. Yeah, <laughs> Spike this, sucks. This, this uh, th- this pilot episode is really just us outlining what we're going to do on a future episode of this podcast. Yes. It's what Emma would have wanted. It's what Emma would want. Mm-hmm. She'd want us to lay out an entire podcast in the pilot and then slowly deliver. Mm-hmm. You know? Definitely. It's fine. It's fine. Um, should we move into ships? We should move into ships. We should get this, this, um, this, um, oh God, what's, what's a group of ships? A fleet. A fleet? A fleet, a fleet of Emma ships. Oh. So, obviously, we have to start with the iconic bad boy, good girl pairing, which is Sean and Emma. I love Sean and Emma. Don't get me wrong. I love them a lot. I find them a little, uh, little old hat. Bold. A little old hat. Like, I love Sean. I love Sean by himself. Sean with Emma was never anything, um, too crazy for me. It's, um... You can probably hear sirens. We live in the valley. Um, what, what you don't know is that they're after me. Um, I love, I, I always love this trope of the good girl and the bad boy mm-hmm. because it's, it's familiar and used yeah. for a reason. And I also love the trope of naming a character with two first names because we can't think Sean of a, Cameron. We can't think of a fun last name. Sexy, sexy Sean Cameron. Sean Cameron. And, we, and when we cast Mr. Daniel Clark, oh. um, we really said, Let's find a cute boy with acne and make it happen. Oh, yes. And they, they looked at those eyebrows and they went, we need that. Oh, you've planted, you've planted the eyebrows. The eyebrows. The, he was the blueprint for the eyebrows. So Sean Cameron walks in with his, um, with his weird oversized t-shirts mm-hmm. and his weird oversized khaki pants. And the denim jacket. And the denim jacket. Denim jacket, Sean Cameron, hits different. Oh, yes. Um, but I, what I love about them is that, um, it's very clearly a, we're coding this to be Endgame. We're coding mm-hmm. this to be 
you know, they're in it for the long haul. They'll be yeah. ups, they'll be downs. But at the end of the day, um, that horrible first date they went on. Was, oh, the best. It, it, it With the picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was that, like, I didn't go on dates when I was 13 because of. A moment of silence for 13 year olds. Because my parents were um, sexist and crazy. But. I did go on dates, but they were with um, an unpleasant teenage girl. <laughs> Yeah, so maybe I saved myself from being somebody's unpleasant teenage girl. We'll we'll never know. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, so what we were... were, Oh yeah, Emma and Sean's first date. Iconic, the blueprint. I love the picture. We know I love that picture. It's the sweetest little thing. Manny freaking out, being, basically being... Or no, that was when Spike was freaking out over Emma, and then Emma did the same thing to Manny when she went on her date with Craig, which was really cute. It's um, also another pattern of Emma's to um, react to the way um, a parental figure is treating her and mm-hmm. then lashing down on her friends. Yes. Classic Emma Nelson Love move. that for her. Love that for her. But yeah, Sean and Emma, like, I think it's clear from the beginning that Sean is someone who, like, they come from different worlds. They're, you know, star-crossed, whatever. Sean, he sees Emma for who she is. He loves her boldness, and I love that for him. I, I'll talk about this forever. Anyone who's ever talked to me about Degrassi knows my favorite Sean and Emma moment is the moment where she gets her period in class, and he looks at her like she's the most sexy woman in the world. Yeah, he, <laughs> he, he, Sean Cameron loves two things. <laughs> Denim jackets and a woman who is fertile and ready for action. And he he experiences both. And then later he transfers that love of um, assertive and um, maybe a little dangerous women mm-hmm. into um, his true passion, which is um, the Canadian military. Ah, uh, yes. And uh. I... I, I t- I will die on this hill. I'm still mad about it. I'm mad about it too. I I don't think that um, Sean and Emma should have been Endgame because that is sort of a, a boring end, but sending him off to the military. But also, and here's the thing, that creates a moral issue between the two of them. Emma is the hippiest bitch in the world. She's definitely anti-war. Like, I don't, she she's, I'm sure she said it at some point. Yeah. She's definitely anti-war. And so Sean choosing to go into the military, I think that's a deal breaker. Yeah. It should have been a deal breaker. And it's one of those things where like, it made sense for Sean's character. Mm -hmm. Boys like Sean Cameron often see the military as a way to sort of, you know, legitimize their, um, their existence. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we tell them all the time, you know, if you're, if you're not good in school, if you're good with your hands, if, you know, we, we, we tell them go join the military yeah. and make something of yourself, which is something very tragic about Sean's character. Exactly. Is that, you know, much like Emma, Sean makes choices and he genuinely wants things to be better than yeah, they are. And definitely. that's why I think they were such a good pairing is that mm-hmm. they, they're both idealistic. They both really have a lot of heroic qualities, but they also are, they're stupid teenagers. They're not, they're not the stupidest like unbelievable teenagers, right? They're they make foolish choices mm-hmm. as teens, and it's so fun to watch them just ruin everyone's day. Yeah, they both kind of have <laughs> that um that like I would say this I was I was gonna say this for Sean maybe not, but it's kind of that Icarus thing where like they're shooting so high, but you know they're just off. 
her hair's yeah. off. They, 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 they aim high, and then they're like, like when Sean came back for all of his, like he, he had the plans for his own car shop. He was ready. He was, he had it all, and then he drag raced and got put in jail. Remember when Sean Cameron almost killed another guy? <laughs> Remember when Sean Cameron almost killed another guy? Remember when he hit a guy with his car? Yeah. I, I'll blame Peter for that one. <laughs> Oh, we'll, we'll blame Peter for much. Which brings me to Emma's second ship. Well, okay. Maybe we should wrap up Sean and Emma. Are we ultimately mad that they're not in game? I'm not mad mostly because I, I love taking a structure and playing with it. Me too. And I think it breaks the rules in a way that is satisfactory mm-hmm. because I don't think Emma would have ended up with Sean had he been, gone into the military yeah. and he made that choice. And Yeah, exactly. I definitely 100% agree. I think, and we, like, this is one thing you'll know about me. I love when things surprise you. I love when things, they take something and they they subvert it. And Emma and Sean is a dynamic, um, a clearly endgame, quote-unquote endgame dynamic that they have subverted. And I like that they weren't endgame. And that is controversial to say. Controversial yet brave. Controversial yet brave. Thank you. Like, yeah, I I love Sean and Emma when they were that kiss in season six. In the car is the best kiss ever. It's a sexy smooch. It's the sexiest smooch. I watch that and I go, mm, I want to be kissed like that one day. Listen, I watched that smooch when I Googled gays kissing. (laughs) And then I went down the Degrassi rabbit hole of Degrassi kisses. And I have to tell you, I have to say, my burgeoning bisexuality was awakened mm-hmm. by that kiss. That heterosexual I, kiss. I was informed and aware that a heterosexual smooch need not always um, leave me bored. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I love that. Like, they were hot, especially in season six. Like, season six, Sean and Emma, is where they peak because, like, they were hot then. There was danger. There was prison. <laughs> there was an almost death. There was planting drugs um, in his locker to get him arrested. There was just so much. Or, there were there was um, rage over blowing your best friend. Yes. Oh my god. There was that. rage. Oh, I loved that. Sean, oh, that'll be. We can talk about that in the Sean episode because yeah. that was a good Sean moment. The Sean has a lot of great moments of um Yeah, this this podcast really is just um a commercial for podcast episodes yet to come. Yes. Um wait wait for that Sean episode. Keep like and subscribed. Oh my god. And we'll 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 give you we'll, that. We'll deliver we'll my deliver. Sean Cameron ca- content, me fangirling over Sean and all of his quippy one-liners and all of his hot like not I won't say possession over the girls that he's dating, but like his protectiveness over them. He's got a lot of internalized um, uh, misogyny. misogyny that... But like in a way that is constructive. You know, like it's never destructive. This is not, uh, the views of one podcast host are not the views of the other podcast host. Okay, like what, that okay. we can't fight about this now, <laughs> but I would like to know eventually what Sean's internalized misogyny, like how it ever affects anyone negatively. Um, I think like, the, pertaining to Emma and Sean's relationship, he really does um, tell her what to do. In, when? Like, um, when there were drugs in his locker. When uh, did he do that? Um, I mean, when did he tell her what to do? I mean, he tells her how to feel a lot. He says, um, because of my background, um, 
everything's so easy for you and he sort of invalidates Oh yeah, that's her. like a tortured bad boy. Yeah, but he he doesn't um he doesn't think things through everyone's perspective. He only really makes his choices based and he also so he also um pushes Emma down in the in the in the um Yeah in, in that alley fight. Uh, an- another um, episode that's just about a place we love an alley. We love the alley. We love the woods. We we should do an episode based on like the, the woods sun. are gay. The alley's very straight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. So moving on from Sean and Emma. <laughs> moving on. We can't fight about Sean right now. We're moving on to Peter and Emma. Um, Pema. Pema, if you will. Paterma, if you're naughty. <laughs> Um, did we ever think this would be anything other than what it was, which was disappointing? Um, considering it has something to do with Peter, I always had low expectations. I, I wish, like, especially in this rewatch, I, for a long time, I was kind of like, you know, Peter's fine. Like, he's a stupid boy. Like, it's funny. But now in this rewatch, I'm like, yeah, Peter can fucking choke. Uh- <laughs> and I would just like to point out, this is not an anti-Jamie Johnston podcast. Oh, he's um, lovely. Podcast. Um, Jamie Johnston, um, hopeful friend of the pod. <laughs> hopeful um, friend of the pod. We, if you are a Degrassi cast member and you're listening to this, please reach out. I would love to... Because um, we would just like to um, state here and now and forevermore... Um, we love all of you yes. so much. The cast, lovely. We, we love stand. all of you. Except one or two people Except from next Except one class. or two people from next class <laughs> who um, need to um, read about third wave feminism yes. and educate, um, the, inform their tweets. Yes. But um, not Jamie Johnston that not I Not Jamie of. Johnston. He's not, lovely. Yeah. Um, that being said, wow, Peter can die. Hey, Peter just fucking sucks. <laughs> and like, sure. His relationship with Emma, I would say, was... I hope this is not catching onto the mic, me shifting on the couch. Um, For those of you who don't know the inside of our apartment, we have a denim chaise lounge. Yes. Lounge? That squeaks when I'm... A lounge? A a chaise chaise lounge. Yeah, it squeaks when I move on it. So if you hear that, that's what that is. Listen, she's thick and she's ready um, to um, sexualize every body movement. Thank you. Um, The choice to date the boy who took your best friend's <sighs> nudes and sent them to everyone in the school. Yeah. Um, Emma? Emma, why? Um, Emma, why? Like, maybe that, maybe we can, we can attribute that to some of her trauma in the past? No. Well, also, it's, um, I would attribute it to her um, jealousy of Manny. Because oh. Manny Santos, um, for what it's worth, was always viewed as the pretty one. Yeah. And having ownership of a boy who is um, epitomized of privilege. He was pre-Declan Coyne rich, um, where he was wealthy. He had wealth. Mm -hmm. Um, He had the caucasity. He had the nerve. (laughs) Um, But he was um, still, like, existed in a world that was, um, you know, belonged amongst the rest he was an upper echelon but he was right. he had a cell phone and that yeah, was his that, dad was i think a uh, like a luxury car dealer yeah so he had he was he was someone where um if you want to move up in the world and move up in status you date peter yeah because then you're seen with someone who has assets only later to discover that the people who are of top tier popularity can't fucking stand him because he sucks. He can't, yes. he can't get a friend. He sucks. His mom hates him. 
Uh, <laughs> Daphne has Daphne no has time for this. When it's really Daphne's fault, he's like this. Yes, I'm... Daphne and her ex-husband, Mr. Stone, um, they did not parent this boy well. Now, Peter and Emma, I will say, I will give Peter the one thing, which is that he was very lovely to Emma during her eating disorder arc. Yes. And he found the cold fries in her pocket and was like, this isn't disgusting. Yeah. And he was, this is where you get some really good um, performance from Jamie Johnston, where Mm -hmm. you actually, when you have a character that's written with a little, with an ounce of empathy, you get a performance that was, um, I almost forgot that he spread Manny's nudes across the school. But that's just a glaring, it's a sign of, it's A, a sign of the times of when it was written. Yeah. Because it was still, that's still a forgivable offense Exactly, back then, exactly. Without a major redemption. Because, like, I exactly. feel like you could have a character who does that, but he, he'd have to be tortured the rest of the time. Right. And fully go through a big redemption arc. Right. And still, we probably wouldn't even like him, but we'd at least respect his right to exist. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think another thing about Peter and Emma's relationship that needs to be brought up is the um, the sexy sneaking around element of it, which was a big point of their relationship in season five. Yeah. Where Emma was, like, making a, like... Uh, and it, it came out during the eating disorder episode when she's having her big freak out in the, her basement room and is, like... I'm dating Peter. Ah, right. Because she's like, all of the things in her life are, there are secrets there. This was also when Spike and Snake were separated for a small point in time where Snake had been cheating on Spike with Peter's mother. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Dating, dating the guy who's the child of the, the home wrecker that, that smashed your, your stuff. It's oh. complex. Emma was. A tangled web of lies. An entanglement, if you will. Emma and Peter. An entanglement. entanglement. Like, that's that's all we can really describe. This is an entanglement. Let's talk about it. <laughs> How did Emma benefit from this relationship at all? She had someone to hold her hand through her eating disorder. She had someone to frame her ex-boyfriend for having drugs. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. Uh, this, um, this, is, this is the point in your life where you date a boy you know ain't shit. Yeah. But he makes you feel good. Yeah. And... He's not the he's not the man of your dreams. He's not the love of your life. He's not the boy that broke your heart and then moved to the beach. Wasaga Beach. He, he moved to Wasaga. What do you want from me? <laughs> he's he's just there. He's fine. He's probably he, he's definitely my least favorite Emma shit. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Which is um bold. even under Chris Sharp. Even <laughs> especially under Chris Sharp. Let's transition. To Chris Sharp, I don't Shelby. Want to. Oh, I I sure do. That's a shit. I, I it's, mean, a, it's a tiny little dinghy in the fleet of ships, it's a, but it's a tiny it's a sailboat. Dinghy. It's a. It, listen, we have an oar for each side, and we're we're scooting the, yeah. the Chris Sharp ship. I mean, we this is going backwards. Um, but Emma and Chris was lovely. It was cute. Um, it, it, he couldn't act. So, um, we, what uh, do you want from him? To this actor whose name I do not know. I don't know his name either. Um, here, a quick Google search on my cellular phone. Oh, okay. Okay. After doing a Google search on my personal cellular device, I have found Daniel Keith Morrison. Another yeah, another Daniel. Daniel. Mm-hmm. Yes. We love, um, when my, um, my name siblings get work. <laughs> We've got Daniel Keith Morrison, Daniel Clark, and Daniel... 
what who's Owen? Daniel uh Oh, Daniel um Daniel What is his name? We stand for like a whole week. <laughs> you stand. <laughs> you follow him on Instagram. Okay, way to out me. <laughs> Listen, he's uh, I'll go on my personal Instagram. Daniel Kelly. Daniel Kelly. There we go. That was like 40 seconds of dead air. Oh, well. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll snatch it right out. Yeah, so Daniel Kelly as well. Um, and yeah, so Chris Sharp and Emma, lovely, fine. I love the episode when Manny takes Emma clubbing. I That's one of my favorites. I love any episode that features Manny and Emma at a dance or function. Because it always ends poorly. It always ends poorly. That's also the episode that Manny makes out with Craig and Emma's in Emma's bed, in Emma's basement bed. Chris Sharp is a lovely blip yeah. in Emma's love life. And it showed Emma's desire to do the right thing. Because Manny's over here telling her, just wreck a home. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Manny was like, what was it? Um, like, something something slutty. Manny says something slutty. Basically, when a boy is attracted to you, a girlfriend's not going to get in the way. Right. Or something like that. Like, um, it's a it's an excellent, it's an excellent, like, foil for the two of them. I love that episode. And Emma waits until she can get Chris logically, not logically, uh, morally. Yeah. Um, she waits till she can get Chris in the right way. And then she ruins it by still obsessing over Sean, which same. <laughs> um, everyone, please raise your hand. If you've ruined your life by obsessing <laughs> over Sean Cameron, my hand is raised. <laughs> my hand is also raised. Um, and oh, I, I hope yours Sean. is too. I hope yours is too. Dear listener. Dear listener. <laughs> I do love a Sean Cameron. Um, so that, so we've, we've gone through Emma's, First, I, or, uh, we, get, we don't have to talk about Kelly. We kind of ta- already talked about Kelly. He was very short-lived. He was fine. I liked Kelly as a person. He he, um, he randomly got a per- This is a, something that I hate about a lot of boyfriend characters. Mm-hmm. They go through personality shifts when we're ready yeah. to get rid of them. And Kelly was no different. Um, randomly, just like, we see him bicycle in and he's in a bad mood. And yeah. then we just break it off with him so that em- Emma can cycle alone into the distance yeah i do love that scene though when he's like "Ooh, mushrooms taste like zinc (laughs) (laughs) oh if emma and kelly's relationship is good for anything it is that line so we've gone through all of the classics now it's time to get controversial this is um the section of the podcast where we will receive the most death threats yes um considering that this is the hill that you definitely will die on. I will die on it. it? Um, Guys, dear listeners, do not stop listening after you hear this, because I'm going to, I promise you, I have interesting points. Uh, Drum roll, please. I do really love Emma and Spinner, where they end up. I know. It's controversial. It's, um, I'll, I'll play a boo track. Boo! It's outrageous. It's how outrageous. dare how, you? How dare I want anything that was not planted from the second episode of the series? Right? Um, but let me say, Degrassi takes Manhattan. What? Degrassi takes Manhattan versus Degrassi goes Hollywood. Where do you stand? Um, I honestly... Though more characters that I love, cherish, and adore are in Goes Hollywood, mm-hmm. um, Degrassi Takes Manhattan is a better film. And it is absolute chaos. Oh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolute chaos. 
and Emma and Spinner, obviously, for anyone who doesn't know or maybe stopped watching the series in season seven, Emma and Spinner, um, they did the thing that they did to Caitlin, which I will say is annoying, which is we take this smart, beautiful activist girl and we turn her into a rom-com protagonist. Now, it happened to Caitlin when she was like, oh, I'm TV's Caitlin Ryan, but now I'm climbing through windows and oh, I need my letter for Joey. Um, and then they did it to Emma. Like, oh, I'm Emma. I've taken some time away from school. I'm very smart and uh, I have big passions and big dreams. Oh, I need a job at the dot. I'm gonna burn down the dot. <laughs> I'm going to use the panini press, even though he told me not to use the panini press. He told press. me not to use the sandwich maker, but you, Jay really needs a spin witch. <laughs> I remember when I blew you, Jay? I um, still can't satisfy you to this day without disaster <laughs> striking. I, you really needed that spin witch, and I could not deliver. I'm so sorry. But yeah, so I don't love the way that they treat Emma in The Guys Who Cakes Manhattan. What I do love is the absolute utter chaos of Emma and Spinner getting married in Niagara Falls and it just being like the stupidest thing ever. But I will say like, it's not, it's not that this has been planned from the beginning or um, makes a lot of logical sense anyway. Um, but Emma and Spinner together, I think bring out something interesting in each other and it is one of those things where it's like, you don't, you don't think that it would ever happen. But when they're thrown together by circumstance, it's kind of freaking cute. Like Emma would never have gone after the boy who bullied her on her first day of school. Spinner would have never gone after the goody two shoes girl who fed him vegetables and fruit and gave him a boner. <laughs> and it's also a scenario of, hey, that kid that you knew in middle school is not the same person as yeah. the gentleman who's going to give you a job and pick up, uh, pick you up off your feet mm -hmm. or up, off the ground where you fell over. Yeah. I, I don't know. Something there's there's a sweet metaphor there that I couldn't yeah. grab. But like people change, circumstances change, and sometimes the terrifying notion that you've already met your um, soulmate um, and you yeah. go through a list of people and you go. I can't have done that already. Everyone I know sucks. Right, but like, he was right there the whole time. And it's not even like they were friends. No. Which, like, they were friend adjacent, which is mm -hmm. what we, a, a strong point of this show, everyone's interconnected. Everyone's and sometimes intertwined. your end game is not someone you speak to on a regular basis. Sometimes your end game is that guy that your best friend dated for like two weeks until he got a guy shot. But yeah, so I think Spinner and Emma is an interesting choice. Like, not a strong choice by any means. I mean, a bold one. It was um, tenacious. Tenacious. If Emma Nelson were writing an, um, an episode of television, she would go boldly and say, let's put two people together who never interacted and make something mm -hmm. beautiful. Yeah. And so I think she spiritually would have really responded yeah. to Spema. Yeah, I think so. Well, Miriam Catherine has been... Uh, <laughs> very vocal about hating Spema, but like, I think Emma herself, Emma Nelson would have been like, I think this is a beautiful ending to um, a character's arc, a character's love life arc, because her, her real arc really ended with- um, Her riding off into the sunset. Yeah, with her not going back to school. 
But like, you know, always bringing someone back just to tie up their relationship loose ends, I think is a sweet idea. And when it's two characters that uh, you, you needed to tie up something about them, um, it's like, why not just do it together? And that could be a cop out. It could also be something that's like adorable. Um, yeah, and they got married on the beach and it was really stinking cute. They made Manny each other Santos happy. Santos threatened to punch a girl. She did punch. Well, she didn't punch a girl. She did like take Tackle Jane her. by the hair and like bear, wrestle her to the ground, which Manny, we stand protective over her friends always. Um, yeah, one day maybe we'll make a, an episode about Emma and Manny's friendship. Yeah. Because I think that's a, that's a, that's a ship all its own that yeah, needs to be a discussed. friendship that is complex and meaty and mm-hmm. full of full of um drama and tension yeah so we've hit those points um yeah sorry i do enjoy spinner and emma together i think it's really sweet i think it was really well done and cute there's a plane flying by our window um i think it was really well done and cute and a lovely end to both their arcs and i like that the series didn't backpedal on it in the um reunion episode uh during next class yeah we're mentioning family dinners Mm -hmm. we're um we're having spinner um offhandedly mention well my wife won't cross a picket line so now i'm guessing just here yep yep lovely um so we've mentioned ships we've done all that um so my i had a a lovely idea for this podcast which is we share a moment of our lives a nice little anecdote where we get to say, oh, I was such an Emma, or I was such a blank um, character that we are discussing in this episode, or in, you know, whichever episode. When we take all of, you know, our life experiences and see ourselves in these characters, no matter how offhanded the character might be, we're going to have to relate to Rick at some point. <laughs> or, or Toby. Oh, Toby. But for today, it is... Ugh, I was such an Emma when blank. Um, oh, I, f- I forgot what mine was. I remember now. But would you like to go first for me? Um, why don't you go first while I desperately try to remember what I said. Okay, I remember mine. And it was um, the time that I kicked my parents' garage uh, wall because I was very, very morally against my parents spending way too much money on I believe it was a game console that my brother did not ask for, nor did he really want. That they spent uh, like hundreds and hundreds of dollars on a game console for him for Christmas that he had expressed no interest in. And I was very morally like, you're wasting money. Buy him things that he actually wants. Um, And rather than just blindly spoiling him. And I got into a lot of fights with my parents about how they parented my brother and spoiled my brother. Which I'm certain Emma did when Jack got a little older. I'm certain she did it. She didn't respect Spike enough to not. Um, so, yeah. And then I stormed out of the house, out of the house. And I kicked our garage wall because I was I had a lot of pent-up anger. And I kicked a hole in it. And then my grandfather came over and made me patch the hole. You know what? And that's a fun... Um, that's definitely an Emma plot, you mm-hmm. know? Um, just righteous indignation and being ends like up fuck in, capitalism it ends up collateral damage yep. love that um something similar again th- it all goes back to being mad at your mom yeah um i had a fight with i've i had um moral arguments with my parents on a regular basis lovely folk 
um, they're educators. Mm-hmm. My parents love a dress code. Ah, uh, yes. And I do not. And I, this one time, I was such an Emma. Mm-hmm. Um, my father um, had made some remarks. Um, it, it, setting the scene, we grew up in Lancaster, California. And if the, you've never heard of it, there's a reason. If you've never been, don't go. It ain't worth it, sweetheart. Um, the the winds are catastrophically um, fast, 40 mile an hour winds, but it's also 102 degrees. Yes. So when you um, are ending school and summer comes along, um, it, you're in a microwave oven. Mm-hmm. And so what happens, you wear um, spaghetti strap tops yep. and short shorts and you're, human thighs are showing a woman's shoulder is visible oh no, <laughs> oh 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 no um and my father sent a girl to the office um for violating dress code and i on the drive home said so like was it really that important um that she missed the beginning of ap test prep mm. um for a spaghetti strap top and then we got into a whole debate about um something that wasn't he he said you're not staring at girls and getting distracted, so you don't really know, um, you don't know why it's there. And I go, then you should have probably sent half the football team that's in your class away mm-hmm. because they're also wearing tank tops, and those <clears throat> do distract me. <laughs> they do be distracting me, though. Keep in mind, I was wearing khakis and a full long sleeve button down shirt to, oh. with a tie to school every day. So you'd think I'd be a narc about this, <laughs> but I was allowed to express myself and other people weren't. Yep. And I found that to be morally repugnant. And I took a stand and my parents and I still have varying opinions on this, but we reached an understanding, but it was an uncomfortable, um, very Caucasian dinner yes. that night where it was like, none of us felt we could voice our opinions without upsetting each other. And so just cut to credits. Yes. (laughs) Yes. That is such an Emma thing to do. She would have totally confronted Snake about that. She, Emma, okay. Emma would have gotten on Snake so hard about all the shit that he pulls in like later seasons of the series. Absolutely. I would have loved to have a special guest star of a family dinner where she's like, Mm -hmm. Snake, why are you implementing um, school uniforms mm-hmm. um, when most of these children didn't do anything wrong? Exactly. Exactly. A girl strips one time. <laughs> a girl, I stripped and you didn't put any uniforms in this school and everyone saw my titties. Everyone. It was Sav Bandari saw one set of titties. <laughs> <laughs> Sav Bandari saw Holly J and Holly J's only. Everyone saw Emma's titties and no one put uniforms in the school. Daphne Hatzalakos didn't do anything like that. You and Daphne Hatzalakos fornicated. <laughs> and there were and no repercussions for either of you. At a Kevin Smith movie premiere. <laughs> That's the most Canadian. <laughs> the premiere. The premiere. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to the premiere. Um, but It's yes. the before mirror. <laughs> but yes. Um, yeah, that is such an Emma thing to do. I love yeah. that for you. I think I embody Emma whenever I need to be outspoken or say something that I want, take control of my surroundings and my body. And yeah. Yeah. One thing, the most admirable thing about Emma is her sense of um, worth when it comes to both herself and her friends. Mm -hmm. She will stand up for other people and she really um, will go to the mat for you. She's a gladiator. Mm -hmm. She is, um, 
a moral soldier, a crusader, if you will. And she wears that mantle with pride, which is something that a lot of us um, struggle with. Yeah. And like, well, you know, we'll, we'll admit when Emma is annoying as shit. We'll, we'll admit constantly. it. Constantly. All the time. But I will say, she handles it with more grace and tact than one Miss Ashley Kerwin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that will be that will be discussed. <sighs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. But yeah, we're kind of at our end here. Um, yeah, uh, that's a wrap on Emma Nelson. That's a wrap on Emma Nelson. And we, we've, we've, We've gone through her whole arc, and that's kind of what we're trying to do here with all of... And, you know, obviously it'll be different every episode based on what characters we've got, with how many ships. Toby's ship section is going to be so small. Listen, he has one ship. (laughs) Two. Two? Remember? Him and Liberty. Oh, Hoomst. That's right. Yeah. For a hot, hot second, but it was... The second was hot. The second was hot. The second was a hot steam. Remember when she gave birth in his car? Oh. <laughs> in Bubby's car. In Bubby's car. <laughs> Next on Cookie Bananas, Bubby's car. <laughs> Just an episode of all the, all the set pieces, I'm telling you. We need, we need an episode based around every iconic set piece. Yeah. We've got the woods. We've got the dot. We've got the alley. We've got Bubby's car. <laughs> But, um, yeah, and it's going to go in not, like, most important to least important, because I find that extremely boring. And arbitrary. Yes. Um, But we're going to, like, popcorn around, but within the same, like, parts of the of the of the series so yeah we're going it, og next gen yes first. O- well yes og next gen and then you know middle ground next gen such as like holly j mia all of them um any so basically anyone introduced in seasons one through five uh one through four because i was gonna say one through five but peter i feel belongs in the second yeah half. peter is the bridge the peter rickety the bridge. Fickety, fickety bridge we've talked about this that peter is the bridge and i don't like that for him but he is Someone had to do it, and unfortunately, it was <laughs> it was Peter Stone. Yes. So, yeah, we're going to do seasons one through four, popcorn around those main characters, um, and then take seasons five through, like, I don't know, eight, nine, something, eight, because then we have to do Claire and all them separate. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and it's going to be a blast. I'm very excited. It, we have so much to go through, so much to discuss. So much to say. Yes. So much to say. And there will be different guest hosts. Different guest hosts. Um, I have plenty week. of friends. I have so many friends that would like to be involved. And it's going to be so much fun. I'll be here um, intermittently. Mm-hmm. And I will be leaving rude comments in the comments section <laughs> whenever I'm not on the pod. <laughs> so look forward to that in my cyberbullying. Yes, of course. Um, but yeah, until next time, uh, we should, should we have like a catchphrase? We should first, I hear that um, influencers do this. Where can they find you on social ah, media? Yes, thank you for reminding me. Um, my name is Keely Bell. You can find me at OMG It's He on most platforms, but mostly Instagram, TikTok, all of that. And my name is Daniel Herman, and you can find me um, at Danny Boy Herman across platforms. All yes. of them. We have we have brands here, people. We've cre- we've curated brands. We're we're um, millennial Gen Z cusps. We're very brand conscious. Yes, um, but yeah, that was this is our first episode. Um, Remember, water your hoose plants. No, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Like, what's a fun like thing to say? We need to let it happen naturally. We need to let it, we, we need to let it happen just. Remember when Sean Cameron killed a guy? <laughs> That's our catchphrase. Please, um, and remember, Sean Cameron killed a guy. <laughs>
but yeah, um, we'll figure one out. We'll figure one out. And when we do, it'll happen organically and it'll be fun and sweet. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening.